Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal, and you are listening to what is now the 13th episode of the Talking Grammar podcast. I appreciate you for tuning in, however you got here, whether it's through the link we post up on our abqjournal.com website, whether it's through SoundCloud or whether it's through iTunes, where you guys have been giving me a lot of good reviews, a lot of uh, a lot of good ratings there on iTunes. So I appreciate you doing that. The podcast is going well. We're going to keep it going for a while. Primarily, it's been Lobo basketball. Primarily, it's been college basketball. It will continue to primarily be those topics. But today, we we go off course a little bit. It's late August, and around the United States, late August means it is time for football. And at a newspaper, the largest newspaper in the state of New Mexico, that means James Yotis, the high school sports editor, longtime high school sports editor of the Albuquerque Journal, is basically getting going on about 10 months of just non-stop, mile-a-minute kind of work, and the football season, especially Friday nights in the fall, for those that don't know, it is a controlled chaos kind of scene at every newsroom around the country when it's high school football season. And we talked to James a little bit about that. If you have no interest whatsoever in high school sports, if you have no interest whatsoever in high school football in particular, or maybe it's just not New Mexico that you have a whole lot of interest. I know some of the numbers that um, I've been looking at, on the podcast listeners, or there's certainly some people outside of New Mexico, so maybe you don't have interest in the high school sports scene here, but I think today's interview and today's talk with James, you'll uh, you'll be interested to see how, what makes him tick, how, how things work when you are the busiest man in the state of New Mexico on a Friday night in the fall. So James Yotis is, a, is an interesting guy. Like I said, he's been doing this a long time at the Journal. I've worked at several papers. I do not know anybody any paper I've been at that uh, works quite as hard on a um, on a consistent basis as James Yotis does on Friday nights to watch him just come back to the office after a football game. And on one ear, he might be on his cell phone. On his other ear, he's got his desk phone going. And all the while, he's just pounding like crazy, uh, pounding away at his keyboard so he can turn out copy on a Friday night so the readers on Saturday morning have everything they need. And on Friday night on our website, of course. So it's it's fun to watch. There's no uh, tougher job, I think, in a newspaper than than a high school sports reporter. And when I say that, I, I know that there's a lot of tough jobs at a newspaper. I've I've done crime reporting. That's right up there. Is one of the most difficult. Um, the the job I have is is a piece of cake compared to what James does right now. It is tough to to do high school sports reporting right. It's fun to talk to him. Fun to listen to some of his stories. And uh, not all of this is about the high school football season ahead. Some of it is. He gives a little bit of a breakdown, a little bit of uh, kind of some predictions, I guess, if you will, about the high school football season ahead in New Mexico. But also talks about some of his favorite uh, places to cover games, some of his favorite players through the years to have covered. And that's interesting. But I think even more telling and more interesting to me was just listening to kind of his thoughts as a journalist on how he tackles his job. Um I think journalism, just like anything else, it's journalists aren't unique in this regard, but I think journalism, like everything else, can be approached in very in, in a lot of different ways. And to, to pick the brain of a guy who's been doing at a really high level the high school sports beat for as long as James has was uh it was fun to do. So hope you enjoy it. Uh got another podcast coming just in a few short days with Lobo assistant coach. Jerome Robinson already recorded that one, actually recorded a week ago now, and I think it'll be posted uh, early next week. But today we got James Yotis, longtime high school sports editor of the Albuquerque Journal as the high school football season is upon us. So a little bit of a preview of high school football. 
Hope you enjoy it. Prep editor at the journal. What does that What does that entail? It kind of means you're the go-to for everything. Well, it means everything high school related funnels through me. Uh, you know, uh, of course we we focus primarily on the schools here in the Albuquerque metro area, which we consider, of course, the city out to Moriarty, uh, the Blend Las Lunas Valencia schools out to Bernalillo to the north. So roughly about thirty, I think thirty or thirty-one schools in the metro area. Um, especially for a sport like basketball. So everything, everything that happens with these schools, uh, if it's, if it's news related, I need to be on top of it. Uh, you know, covering every sport, making sure that we're on top of, of the fall sports, making sure I'm on top of news developments, uh, news topics, features, game stories, columns. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's fun. It's a little bit of everything. Uh, is it fun? You say it's fun. It still is fun. I, I, I said, I told someone the other day, I still have the best beat. At the journal, and maybe you and I were even talking about this because I, every one of my seasons always ends in a state championship game. You don't have that luxury covering Lobo basketball. Ken doesn't have it on his beach. Rick didn't have it with Lobo football. I, I'm really the only one here that consistently gets to cover championship games at the you know during the course of a beat. And my beat lasts ten and a half months out of the twelve. So I like that part of it. I like that at the end of the fall I have championship events and a bunch of sports and I get to write about it. Same thing with winter, same thing with spring, you know, and you always have to bring your A-game to these things. You know, it helps me as a reporter, keeps me sharp. You know, I, I want to bring my best to it for these kids because hopefully they're going to have these stories around for yeah. for many years and they can go back and look at it. So I, I like that part of it that at the end of every school year uh, with every sport, I got to cover the biggest games and I got to bring my A-game to the table in the same way the athletes do. Well, there's a different element to the high school coverage in that it means something to the people you're covering and to their families probably a little bit more than like what I do with at the college level. The readers obviously have interest in Lobo basketball and stuff, but the people I'm covering don't care as much about what I'm writing. There's an actual interaction with you and the people you're covering that means a little bit more to them than it does with me. I think just because it's they're a little bit younger and it's a little more familiar, meaning the families involved, the aunts, the uncles. Yeah, and of course mine is, as you all know, is more informal, so I have more access to to coaches, to athletes, to parents, yeah. uh, to administrators. You know, you know, for for someone like you, you got to go through a lot of channels sometimes to find one individual. I don't, I don't have those kind of roadblocks, so it's nice to be able to interact with the parents. And this is where I often get so many of my great stories, just shooting the breeze with a parent or a coach or or uh, an uncle or a right. cousin. Somebody just we just start talking, and they're like, "Hey, did you know this or this?" Sometimes that's where the best stories come from, just shooting the breeze with with these people that I meet on my beat, and I love that part of it because it's. There's such great turnover every year. You know, we get thousands of kids that I have to cover during a normal school year just in Albuquerque. And then they all graduate, and then a new group of a few thousand kids come in for the next school year. So yeah. a, a whole a whole different dynamic, a whole different set of storylines. And I, I just like that it can take me in any number of directions, and I have access to all these great sources. I, I mean, I've always said, I mean, any any really good reporter is at least partially... It's at least partially related to the quality of the sources sure. on their beat. Absolutely, you know, and I'm lucky. I've been doing this a long time. People trust me. They know me. So when something comes up, they know to come to me. And and that's such and that's just such an invaluable thing. You know, when when there's a coaching change or an athlete signing uh, or anything along those lines, people know to come find me because they know I want to know and they know I'll write about it right away. Well, they know who the right source to go to is. I mean, obviously there there's a lot of good journalists in this state. A lot of them um, cover different levels of stuff, obviously. But when it comes to high school sports. We, we are the biggest paper. Um, that's not just, uh, you know, talking talking up the employer here or anything like that. I mean, we are the biggest paper. So people know that 
you are the guy to go to for the most part. A lot of other good ones to go to as well. I'm not suggesting there aren't, but um, your name is out there. But that, I guess, what I'm getting at now is that that's good and bad, though. Um, you're the you're the face of anything bad that comes with high school sports to some people too, and and you get that sometimes. On yeah, to talk about your first point, and I know what you mean. And I'll get to that second yeah. point in a second. But you know, as far as the first point goes, even though we're the Albuquerque Journal. I still am responsible for any news development at any high school in this state. Sure. From JAL to Shiprock, from Animus to Clayton. You know, if there's something important that develops, you know, I've got to be, I, I need to be on top of it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I have sources just about everywhere, so I can be on top of something important relatively quickly, right. uh, which is a nice thing to have. But having said that, you're right. Not everybody enjoys my style, and that's okay. Uh, there is no journalist alive who has 100% universal admiration from readers or from the people they're covering, I get that, and that's okay. My style is unique. I, I, I'm, a sh- I'm a straight shooter. I, I let people know up front what they can expect to see in a story. Uh, during interviews, I'll let sources know, hey, look, we're going to have to talk about this or this, if it's a tentative yeah. or sensitive subject. I let them know up front. I'm like, look, we're going to talk about this. You don't have to talk to me, but I need to ask you. Uh, so my, my style is not for everyone. Because I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of a smart aleck by nature. Sure. And that kind of seeps into my writing. Because I try and have fun with it. It's, it's high school sports. It's not I'm not covering the governor or city hall. I mean, it is high school sports. I want to have a little fun with it and, and bring some personality and flavor into it. But that is not for everyone. And Lord knows you know this as well as I do. Uh, there are just, I'm sure you could find a line of people around the block who just hate the way I write, who hate the way I report, who feel oh, there's yeah. a bias toward a certain school or a certain community. I it's hard to it's hard to get these people off that position if they if they get on that rock they're just going to be determined to stay there so that's okay after all these years my skin is pretty thick and I, I accept that part of the job I try and tell people look just sit down with me for five minutes and <laughs> talk to me get to know me a little bit and I think you'll realize it it's not it's not as awful as you think one of the biggest complaints high school um, reporters get on any level newspapers just in general is like I can't believe you guys covered that game when across town there was this game going on that was like you know, a, a, a blowout or somebody did this tremendous thing. People have to understand it as obvious as it seems to us sometimes. People don't get that we make the decision to go cover a game before it happens. You know, we, we don't, we can't say, ah, oh, yeah, I wish I would have been there for that guy throwing eight touchdown passes. I didn't know that <laughs> when I decided what game to go cover. Yeah, Lord knows I've, I've had a few of those emails and texts over the years like, how could you not have been here? Yeah. Uh, you're right. I'm only one person. I can only get to one football game a night or one soccer game or one basketball game. I'm only one guy. Now, in the old days, uh, when the Journal had a bigger staff, we could get to any number of games on a certain Friday night in football or in basketball. You know, we don't have that luxury anymore. Yeah. So now, me, I've got to try and pick and choose the best game for our purposes, for our readers, and do the best I can to gather information on some of these other key games. We can't be everywhere. Yeah. I wish we could. And, and I always try and tell people, I'm like, look, let me know. Uh, you have to understand, I can't be at every venue on a Friday night. So if something happens, let me know. I'll write something about it as quickly as possible. We, we want to we want to illustrate and talk about kids who are doing good things, whatever the sport, whatever the gender. Yeah. But it, it can be frustrating sometimes when people, they want to see more of you. And I'm, I'm spread pretty thin sure. between not just football. I mean, forget about football season. You throw in soccer, which starts next week, and then volleyball and cross country. It, you know, only being only one person, it, t- it can stretch you pretty thin. Oh, what I do is easy. Compare, I mean... When you cover one team and you get a whole year to cover one team and know the coach and know the assistants and know the players, I don't need people coming to me all that often to say, hey, did you hear about this or did you know about that? But but you need some of that sometimes because your eyes can't be all over the state, and that's what makes your gig as, as tough as there is. Yeah. And and for those people that don't know that aren't in, aren't, aren't in here, especially on a Friday night, 
you're, you're cranking your keyboard. Like you must go through a keyboard <laughs> a year at least because, I mean, you're cranking out thousands of words more than anybody else here. One of my favorite stories uh, when my desk was in another part of the newsroom was uh, I was I just had a busy workload that day and I was working on my keyboard and my computer caught on fire, literally caught on fire. When was like, this? Oh, this was probably, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years ago, maybe even ten years ago. I was working at my desk and I'm working on my keyboard and the girl who was sitting on the other side of my desk says, man, you're on fire. And I'm like, thanks. She's like, no, no, <laughs> you're actually on fire. And the computer was smoking. So we had to go. I'd, Natural I'd, sports writer's I'd, response. So, yeah, thank right. You. So we had to unplug it and, and retire that one and send it to the graveyard. So uh, awesome. Lord knows I like to work. That keep, you know, but I work. I work well under deadline. That's when I do my best stuff. I think I was like that in college. Whenever I had a college paper yep. to turn in, I would often always wait. Not just till the last minute. I mean, like the last. Miters. I mean, yeah. whatever is beyond the last minute, that was me. And I could turn around and crank out a great paper, yeah. ten page, fifteen page, whatever. Quickly, and I w- that's when I would always get my best grades. So I find that because I have to work on deadlines yeah. so much, that's just when I do my best work. I often find that the toughest story for me to write is when I have a week to work on something, yeah. and I just start overthinking it, and I start overwriting it, which is one of the worst things you can do as a young journalist, which I used to do a lot. I don't think I do that anymore. That's one of the worst things you can do is have too much time to think about a story, and you start overwriting it, and you start. It sounds like you swallowed a thesaurus. Yeah. Uh, you know. pulling back the curtain a little bit on a newsroom. Reporters love. You know, just kind of bitching and moaning that they never have enough time to write that good story. And then when we get it, we all hate. We actually hate having that much time. And and I think what you're saying is true. Like we're we're so conditioned to write on deadline that that's actually the preference. You know, we it, like the uncomfort. Of yeah, I, you know, I get people asking me all the time, how do you manage to write all these stories? And it's difficult to explain this to people who aren't in the industry. Yeah. You know it, obviously. It's difficult to explain. That's the way a, a journalist, especially a sports writer's brain, is programmed to work. Not so much news reporters who are not so much writing on deadline, right. but. You know, we're always on deadline. You're always, you're always don't on don't deadline with men's basketball. We're, we're, we're you're... putting higher or lower priorities on what we do compared to others. It's just different. But we're, as you know, we're sitting in the sports department and we're watching people walk out as we're coming in. It's because sports don't start till the evening. And, you know, our, our jobs start when most people are going home for the night to do their fun. Most of us are not. I mean, you have a child, so maybe it's different for you. But most of us are not true morning people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, because of the way, because of the nature of a sports department. Yeah. But, you know, I feel the adrenaline of, of, Right, having to crank out a very big story on deadline. Yeah. You know, as soon as the game's over, even even as the game is going on, if I know I'm pressed for time, I'm thinking about angles. Uh, who do I want to interview? How do I want to attack this story? I mean, you know how it can be. Uh, you could sit down and write a story, and there could be 20 different ways to write a game story or a feature story, mm-hmm. and you have to find the one that works best. Yeah. You know, and there could be multiple ways that work. You're just trying to find the one that works and best. And some fall flat. I mean, I, I've told readers that before. Like I've I've looked back at this story and I. I got criticized heavily last year for a basketball story I wrote when I went to um, cover New Mexico State Aggies in the, Mount, or in, the, in the NCAA tournament. Some people didn't like that story. I knew what I was trying to go for in a story, and I knew it didn't come out that way. I can admit that, yeah, sometimes it falls flat. But we have to try and find a way that isn't just reporting the score. We have to give the reader something because most people know the score by the time they pick up our paper now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, and I write hundreds of stories a year. Yeah. So there's no way to make every single one of them sing the way right, you would exactly. want. I'm just like you. You know, sometimes I write a story and I'm like, <sighs> I, and I just walk away and I'm shaking my head. Yeah. And actually, I, I, I tend not to like too much of what I write. Some, every now and then I write something that I enjoy that I would think I would like to read. I, I'm very demanding of myself that way, but you're absolutely right. You can't make every story sing. You know, we're still human beings. Yeah. You know, I do everything I can to make it work as best I can. 
But you're right. Sometimes they just you go back and you're like, and you shake your head and you're like, what a piece of crap. Yeah. And you just walk out and and it's not that you're trying to do a disservice to whoever you're writing about, but you're still a human being and not every story flows the way we would like. Exactly. It, it can be frustrating, but I that's one of those things after after having written. I don't even know how many stories for this newspaper. Thousands, usually. tens of thousands yeah, tens of, of stories thousands. for this newspaper in my life. I just realized that that's part of it. Yeah. I don't like it. I try and hold myself more than anyone to the highest standard possible. Try and create the best story I can. Well, however long it is, sure. You know, because some, you know, I, who knows who's going to be reading it and who might it might be important to someone. And so I, I try and treat everyone that way. All right, one more quick one on kind of the the non this season kind of stuff, the the non now stuff in big picture. After a Friday night football game, you're driving back to the office to crank out copy. Do you have the radio on, or are you thinking of your story? What What do you do? I, I usually have the radio on for noise, but I, I'm probably not listening to it very much. Okay. As soon even even into the fo- like for a football game tomorrow night, I'll be at Volcano Vista La Cueva. Depending on how that game goes, I'll be I'll be formulating ideas about how I want the story to look, even as the game is going on. Now, yeah. if it's a close game that goes down to the wire, I don't have that luxury. But uh, more often than not, I'm thinking about. How I want the story to look, how I'm going to present it, even before I start doing my interviews. I know who I want to interview. I know I want what I want to talk to them about. And then as I get in my car and drive back to the office, I'll have the radio on. I'll have Sports Talk Radio on, either yeah. 101.7 The Team or 610 yeah. The Sports Animal. And I'm thinking about the story in my head. I've got that 15 or 20-minute window as I'm driving back to work. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about my lead. How, would I, how do I want to get into this story? Yeah. You know, Like I said, there are 20, maybe even 50 ways to get to start a story. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think about what what will work and what can I do on deadline. Yeah, you know, there, there are times that, I mean, I've been here on Friday nights that you've come in and you've written an entire game story. Obviously, had, having thought about it on the drive back at least, but you've written a whole game story in, in 10 minutes. Um, probably probably not a whole lot as, at the five-minute range, but some. I'll bet you've written some yeah, in five and, minutes. and sometimes it just has to be that way. It if does, I, if yeah. I'm covering a game at Cleveland High School, which is... 30 minutes yeah. from the time I walk out of the press box to the time I walk in the door here at the yeah. journal. That's 30 minutes. On a Friday night, 30 minutes is gold. You know how much writing I can do on thir- in 30 minutes on yeah. a Friday night? I gotta be, I gotta be ready to hit the ground running as yeah. soon as I get back in the door and have that, you know, and when I have games like that, I always make sure my computer is left on. Yep. That way I don't have to worry about booting it up and get in and just hit the ground running. And everybody knows to leave me alone during those cases yes. because if I get back from a game a little bit later than usual, Everybody knows, don't talk to me. I've yeah, got to get this alone. done. I'll, I'll deal with you in a minute. And to be clear, because there's so much else going on, you, you need to come back every night. You're not just file, you can't just like file from no, the stadium. You no. have to be back. No, like I'll be at, I'll be at uh, Wilson Stadium Friday night for Volcano Vista and La Cueva, but there are any number of other games I'm interested in. Uh, you know, El Dorado is playing West Mesa. Uh, Cleveland's in Las Cruces to play Oñate. Um, you know, and, and a couple other games, Piedra Vista and yeah. Las Lunas. So there are other games I'm monitoring that I need to get information on for us besides the game that I'm actually writing. Right. And, of course, every now and then we have an extra person or two to help. But on an average Friday night, there are probably six to eight games I really am interested in getting something in the paper about, and sometimes even more than that. Uh, so, yeah, so when I get back, i got to write that story, and then i got to be on the phone to my coaches. Can you call me from, you know, wherever you are? If you're on the road coming back home, you know, if you're out having a beer with your coaches after a game, yeah. whatever. You know, and usually how it works is I'll talk to these coaches on Friday and say, look, I'm going to be trying to track you down on yeah. Friday. You give them a Probably warning. not until about 10.30. Just keep your phone on, yeah. and let's try and chat for just two quick minutes, get a couple of quick highlights, a quote maybe, if something interesting happened, and just pound it out as quickly as possible. How long have you been doing this now? I started the journal when I was 17. Okay. Uh, so that would have been right after Thanksgiving of 84. Okay. I was 17. 
uh, and I started. I came in. I answered phones. All I did was answer phones for basketball season. Yeah. Uh, I started on the lowest part of the totem pole that there was. By March of '85, which is about four months after I got here, I wrote my first story, a baseball game between Manzano and Valley at the old sports stadium, which doesn't exist, unfortunately, yeah. anymore. Uh, and then by by May of '85, I don't want to go into the particulars of how it happened. I sort of caught uh, a break that was not. It had nothing to do with me. Yeah. I caught sort of a break, and I started doing more high-profile events, and that was it. Uh, so I spent a year in I spent a year in Las Vegas, Nevada, in '97, covering preps there, and then I came back after a year, and I worked in our Santa Fe office for 20 months, from August of night. Remember, my 20-year anniversary with the Journal, official 20-year, full-time anniversary, uh, is coming up like next week. Okay. I think on the 30th or 31st. So I worked in Santa Fe from August of uh, right, right right before Labor Day of '98 to about April of 2000, and then and then they brought me back down here, uh, and I was covering business up there. That was the only time I didn't cover sports for that year and eight months. I did business, which actually was kind of an interesting challenge professionally, and yeah. and helped make me a better reporter. Uh, and I think it benefited me as I came back down to the Albuquerque office. So all sports for. For most of it, except for that 20-month period, it's been all sports. And you still like sports. Some people get in sports, and it kind of jades them to the point they don't actually enjoy it as much I, on the, in their off time. There have been two or three times during my career when I was offered another beat at this paper on the city desk yeah. uh, that I turned down because it just, I don't know, I felt like the paper would suffer. Yeah. And I felt like I would not truly, my heart would not be in it. And if that were the case, then the beat would suffer, the paper would suffer. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't want that to happen. Uh, sports is what I do best. Um, fortunately, I like to think that's because people think that, that have hired me that they think I'm a good reporter and yeah. they could plug me into any beat. And they, and they probably could. Yeah. Uh, I, like I said, I was offered uh, the APS beat once. I was offered the crime beat once. I was offered the UNM beat once. Uh, not the UNM, not bat, not sure. sports, On but uh, academics. Yeah. And I just it just wasn't for me. This yeah. is what I do best. This is what I love. And I and I don't want to do something I don't love. And, yeah. I, and I feared if I did that, I'd be miserable and I'd be unhappy and everybody would suffer. I would suffer. The paper would suffer. Well, part of the what we do when we say we, we love what we're doing, we don't do it because of anybody else on the outside telling us, oh, hey, good job or, or anything like that. But you did do a story recently that you got a bunch of kudos for that I want to mention before we talk a little bit about high school football. And we'll get a quick rundown here in a minute. But the, uh, the referee story, um, give us a quick uh, kind of just Cliff Notes' version of what the story was and then what's happened since your story. In essence, was it was that the NMAA is just really hurting for football officials. I knew that. And it's, it's a story I've written periodically yeah. about over the last few years. So the numbers are just very thin. So the story, in essence, was the NMAA asking schools to please move your games to Thursdays or, fr- or Saturdays. Yeah. Move it off Friday night off to Friday one of those other lights. two days to try and help us. That way we can get all these games staffed by qualified officials. And... Uh, as uh, as the story pointed out, there were about two dozen games that had been moved off of a Friday night to either Thursday or Saturday through the middle of October. There, you know, as we get into middle of October, it's not necessary to move as many because all the state schools are playing each other now. Yeah. So you don't need as many crews as you do in the first half of the year when everybody's outside the district and you have an extra twenty or thirty games right. that you don't have when we Meaning get into the district. Meaning, for those that aren't following, it might be playing an El Paso school down south, or might right. be playing like an Arizona school, depending on where you are in the yeah. state. Yeah, and you know, teams in New Mexico will play like there's Kirtland Central is playing a team from Idaho tomorrow yeah. night up at uh, Idaho State's facility. And if two New Mexico teams are playing each other, obviously that that cuts down the number of yeah. officials. Yeah, you needed. know, teams from New Mexico will play teams from Texas and Oklahoma, yeah. Arizona, Colorado, occasionally Utah. So 
yeah, so you need more crews that time of the year. But to get back to your question, as an end result of the story that I wrote, that they were just in dire straits trying to find bodies to officiate games, not just at the varsity level, sub-varsity as well, yeah. even middle school. In fact, probably more so there because they can kind of start bumping people up if they have to do varsity. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, go ahead. So, yeah, so uh, Dana, who's the commissioner of officials with the NMAA, uh, sent me a, a text the next day saying she'd had about a dozen people yeah. express interest because of the story. And by the following day, she said that number was up to close to, I think, 22, I think she said. Yeah. Now, I don't know if all these people will actually sign up and become an official, right. you know, if even half of them do. You know, and I hope, I hope that worked out well. One of the other things that came up was I've gotten several emails since that story ran from former officials who were a little upset with me because I didn't talk about more of the reasons why people are getting out of officiating. Not just abuse by fans, okay. verbal abuse by fans, but other reasons. I, I don't want to get into, I don't want to say too much now. Yeah. But, I've had several emails, and, and as soon as I get past Labor Day, I'm going to start looking into this. But I've had emails from other people, including a couple of former officials, who say there's a lot more to it okay. in terms of retaining officials. Not just getting them in, but keeping them so they be, it becomes sort of a side career for yeah. them. Uh, so that's something I'm going to be getting into. I don't know if it's going to turn into a story or not. I, I need to get more information. I need, to, I need to talk to a few sources before I begin to write this. But uh, I, I'll be interested to see where... if if any place this story leads, because they, they, they said, look, your story covered part of it, but it doesn't include the second part, which is retaining officials yeah. and how some people are leaving not has nothing to do with fans, but because of other factors. Like yeah. I said, I don't want to say what they're well, worth. Well, I know people are, I know these referees aren't getting, they do get paid some, but they're not, nobody's getting rich off of this or anything like that. But No, these um, are secondary jobs for yeah, people, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it can be very time consuming for the good refs, the ones who get assigned a lot of games, like in football or basketball, like basketball more than football. You know, a good basketball referee could be you could be working four or five nights a week. They could be making a huge bit of yeah. money on top of their regular jobs. And I hope they have good regular employers, sure. or maybe they're self-employed, where they can you make know, their schedule, manage their own schedule. Uh, because I, some of these refs are at, you know, you have games between Monday and Saturday. That's six nights of basketball. Some of these good refs are working three, four, five nights a week, and they're probably making a really good chunk of change. Yeah. All right, let's move to this season. Uh, high school football starts tonight as we're recording this on a Thursday right now. There's actually a game going on tonight, but uh, tomorrow night's the first big Friday night around the state of New Mexico for football. I want to do a quick rundown. We certainly don't need to go um, as in-depth as you've done over the last how many days has it been with previews. Um, I know almost, it's a month, almost a full month. Almost a full month of previews. Um, let's go uh, small schools. What do you consider the small schools up to, what, 3A, 4A? Well, football is the only sport now that has a 6A. All the other sports, 5A is going to be the biggest classification mm -hmm. going forward. Football is going to keep a 6A. So it's 6A through 2A, and then there's 8-man and 6-man. I would, I would consider small schools... Four well, that's down, tough. I would, say, I would consider small schools through 4A for me. Okay. I would say 5A and 6A are the bigger classes. Well, give me a quick rundown of what you consider small school football. What are a couple, a couple teams to watch or just some things fans can look for? That uh, from the 4A down below um, level. Well, as we think about 4A, we had a whole bunch of teams move down from 5A into 4A, like St. Pius, for example, Espanola, Gallup, Bloomfield, yeah. Aztec, Kirtland Central. All these teams moved down from 5A into 4A. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that specific classification works out. Uh, Portales, I think, because I know we, we realigned everybody, I, I believe Portales is still... Uh, from a 4A standpoint, and I sure hope I'm right about this. I feel bad without having the list right in front of me. Um, it's still one of those schools you need to watch for. Okay. Um, 
you know, some of the schools dropped down Not a from lot 4A to 3A. Like, like Robertson, I believe, moved down from 4A to 3A. Yeah. Uh, and Robertson was in the state championship game in 4A last year against Rudoso. But I think Rudoso is still in 4A with Moriarty and Lovington and, and Portales in a district. So that district, Lovington, Moriarty, Portales, Rudoso, that is going to be the district to watch in 4A football. Yeah. Lovington's moving. One of Lovington's one of those other teams that moved down from 5A. They were in the Artesia district. Now they've moved down probably because their numbers suffered because of the oil and gas industry fluctuations. Sure. Uh, so that's going to, I think, the state champion seems likely to me to come from that district, I would uh-huh. say, in 4A. 3A would be tougher for me to talk about. Hope Christian's one of those schools that dropped down. Um, and I'm still learning these classes because football's different than the other sports. And, and they move this around every two years now, right? Right, but this is one of the biggest shifts they've ever done, yeah. at least in my career, in terms of moving all the schools. And like I said, I'm, and I would hate to get into this too deeply in terms of 3A just because I don't have the list right yeah, yeah. in front of me um, to know who some of the threats will be because teams have been moving up, teams have been moving down. So better that I don't get too much into detail there. I might say something that's flat out incorrect. Well, let's bump up then. Let's let's go okay. to 5A and 6A that most people listening and, and most people around the metro area are probably going to kind of yeah. have a good idea about. Let's let's go with 5A. What's yeah, 5A is going to be an interesting classification. Uh, I think the top teams in general, uh, you have Artesia, the defending state champion, Roswell High School, is going to be very good. Piedra Vista, which yeah. is moving down from 6A. Piedra Vista is supposed to be very good. Las Lunas is going to be very good. Belen is coming off uh, an almost undefeated season last year. They were 12-0 and before they lost to Artesia in the finals. They'll be in the mix. I think all those schools strike me as uh, schools that will definitely be in the hunt. Farmington's another school that could, they've been very under the radar, but very good. Uh, Miyamura is another program, but they're starting over with a new coach. Eric Ronhouse's son, John, his youngest son, yeah. is now coming in to coach Miyamura because the Miyamura coach came here to coach Valencia High School. So there are a lot of interesting teams in 5A. Piedra Vista is playing Las Lunas tomorrow night. That's, that's, right my, vote. That. that's yeah. my vote for the best game of the week, uh, in my opinion, in any classification, uh, as I put in, in the journal today. So yeah. there are some int- and a lot of these teams are playing each other head-to-head, not everybody, but uh, between Las Lunas and Piedra Vista, Artesia, Roswell, uh, a lot of these teams are playing each other head-to-head, Belen and Farmington there as well, are all playing each other a lot of head-to-head games. So uh, right especially over this first, especially, especially over this first month, you're going to see a lot of games between those top five or six teams against each other. So it'll be interesting to see how this all pans out uh, as we get going. Roswell, I know, Las Lunas, for example, which I think is the best team metro area-wise in terms mm-hmm. of 5A. You know, they'll play Belen later in district, but they play... Artesia, they play Roswell, they play Piedra Vista. Okay. Those are three good examples. You know, there's a lot of that in 5A football, which I like. You know, it gives you a good chance by you get by the time you get to the start of October, you have a pretty good idea of what the pecking order is. You know, yeah. uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works. Now, as far as 6A football goes, you know, Cleveland, El Dorado, La Cueva, Las Cruces, I think, are maybe the four best teams, but there are a whole bunch of other teams that could be in the mix. Rio Rancho, Centennial, Hobbs. Volcano Vista, Rio Rancho. Um, what I like about this season is that there doesn't seem to be a clear team that has few weaknesses. All these teams have certain areas where they're going to be vulnerable yeah. in certain areas. So I like that part of it. So uh, And, of course, 6A football will be very much the same. We'll see a lot of games between head-to-head teams. Cleveland plays Eldorado in week three of the season yep. on a Thursday night. There'll be a lot of games like that during the first half of the year. They'll help us kind of establish who's legit, who's... Close and who isn't? Uh, so we, I, I think I would I would say there are probably six teams in the mix in six A that could win state. Who who was your uh, top five in your countdown for the metro? For the area? metro area, Cleveland was number one, La Cueva was number two, El Dorado was number three, Las Lunas was number four, 
And I put Volcano Vista at number five, which was a stretch that, that was going out on a limb. Okay. There were other teams I was thinking about at number five, Belen, Manzano even, who has a new head coach as a defending state champion, Rio Rancho. All those teams, I was sort of looking at all those teams, but all of them I felt like had more question marks that made me uncomfortable. So I just, you know, I decided to, to go out on a limb, and Volcano Vista was as good a choice as anyone. And I do think Volcano Vista has a ton of talent. They haven't been able to turn that into a great season at the upper level yet. You know, they made the semifinals back in 2012, uh, and they got beat up pretty good by Sandia, but they haven't won a playoff game since then. Huh. So uh, Volcano Vista has a lot to prove, and Volcano Vista could make me look very stupid. Yeah. But, you know, I don't expect them to beat La Cueva tomorrow, but... Uh, I, I'm interested to see what they're going to bring to the table. All right, putting you on the spot a little bit here, um, so don't feel you have to think of everyone. Uh, a couple players that, that fans should look out for around the state this year? Yeah, no, I, I'll keep it in the metro area because I think that's the best way to go. Um, Gabe Smith is a quarterback from El Dorado, a dual-threat th- dual quarterback, outstanding player, maybe the most electrifying player we'll have in the metro area this year. There's a Las Lunas quarterback named Nick Garland. He's a dual-threat quarterback. His numbers were massive last year for Las Lunas. Uh, He's close to Gabe Smith. He's he's very close to Gabe Smith. Actually, he's a little bit bigger than Gabe as well. And he's got good weapons around him. Those two, I think, are going to be the two quarterbacks to watch here in the metro area. Running back-wise, we've got a couple. A kid named Xavier Ivy Saad from Manzano. Coming off a big junior season, uh, he's going to be a highly featured player in that offense. Cleveland has a running back named Dorian Lewis, who was a district player of the year in El Paso last year, moved up. Uh, I saw him during their scrimmage last week. He's going to be... He's going to be sensational uh, if he gets. So he even, really is because I know when at the high school level a transfer comes in from out of state, everyone that player is always going to be great. This one you've seen. Though. I saw him. Okay. Yeah, and he's going to be a he's going to be a handful for okay. people. Um, and the metro area has some other decent running backs. Those two strike me as the two to watch off the top of my head. I could be missing someone without truly getting into it. But those four names uh, come to mind most at the top of my head. There are going to be a bunch of other players, of course, as we go along. Um, we lost. We graduated most of the top receivers in the metro area. Graduated last yeah. year, so we'll see how that progresses as we get into the season. Uh, Siebel has got a good one that's in the game tonight against Sandia, um, and he's he had the best season of any returning kid going back to last year. But the four I gave you: Nick Garland, Gabe Smith, Xavier Ibisad, Dorian Lewis. Those four are the ones that come to my mind okay. most immediately. Uh, and I should mention there's a kid from Carlsbad too who signed or has verbal to Oklahoma State. Tyler uh, Taylor Maturko, offensive line. Offensive line, defensive end. Defensive he, he's like six six two eighty, built very much like Henry Hattis was at Cleveland yeah. several years ago. Um, he's already verbaled to Oklahoma State. Okay. Unfortunately, Carlsbad is not going to be up here uh, for the regular season, which kind of stinks. Uh. Um, maybe they will for the playoffs. Um, he's a kid whose progress, and I'm going to be doing a piece on him during the season. Okay. Uh, I'm going to hook up with him. Sometime after Labor Day, after I get all my seasons up and running, I want to hook up with this kid and talk to him and... and Get an idea of who he is and, and a little bit about him. So uh, that's a name. That's a name that we'll be following, even as an offensive lineman, we'll be following him as well. All right, we're going to wrap this up with uh, just some kind of quick answers. Don't need to actually even have a full explanation on all this. Let's guess, do it. I guess rapid fire a little bit. But championship Saturday, all the games being played in one location. No, absolutely <laughs> no, emphatically no. Alamogordo High School football is the best team, best high school football team in state history. True or false? Alamogordo High School is the best high school football team in the city of Alamogordo. Thank you. I'll take that. I will take that. (laughs) 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 Do you know your high school fight song? No. Do you like the fact that I know mine? And I threatened, uh, I threatened I, to sing it. I'm slightly envious. I should learn mine. I'm in Siebel's gym all the time, and the fight song is written on the wall. 
but I don't have it memorized. All right. Um, so yes, yes, I'm impressed that you know yours. <laughs> uh, this you may leave a couple off and regret it, but name one or two of your favorite places to cover high school football game. I'll give you three or four: Bulldog Bowl and Artesia. Okay. Ivanhead Stadium in Santa Fe. Leon Williams in Clovis. And Albuquerque Academy. Albuquerque Academy. Interesting. That's okay. still the best place to watch a game. Yeah. It's just, I love the I'll setting there. there. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's where I, I watched a lot of games there when I first started at the Journal when I was a teenager. I was doing all the smaller schools like Manola yeah. and Bernalillo and Academy and, and those kind of schools. Uh, and I spent a lot of Saturdays at the Academy. I still enjoy going there. I still find it to be the best ambiance with, you know, it's, it's one of the few fields in the metro area that has grass. You get the Sandias in the background from the press box. Um, okay. It's a great place to watch a game. I, but I haven't had in Santa Fe is maybe the one people would be surprised. Yeah, I, love I think watching. that's an underrated. I love that place. I think it's a great place to watch yeah. football. I always love watching Can you imagine there. if they had great football there? They used to. When I first <laughs> yeah. started at the Journal, I covered yeah. a Santa Fe team in 1986 that made it all the way to the state semifinals. Yeah. Uh, and they lost to Jim Bradley's Roswell team that year. Uh, that was, I think that was, 86 was truly the last great year for Santa Fe high school football. Yeah. So it has been done. Then Capital opened and everything changed. Yeah. And now, you know, probably St. Mike's is the best of the three sure. in Santa Fe. But, oh, I love Ivanhead. Uh, you know, that press box is right on top of the state yeah, on the field. Cool. Great place to watch a game. All right. Uh, no cheering in the press box, but if you had a handful of favorite players through the years, high school football uh, edition, handful of favorite football players that uh, you just really mm. enjoyed covering. Obviously, they, they were probably pretty good, but also maybe for some other reason, Two or three players through the years that you've loved covering. Two or three. I'll give you one off the top of my head. Chris Williams okay. from Rio Rancho High School yep. would probably be at the top of my list. Um, Bobby Newcomb would be on that list. That's funny you mentioned those two because I'm going to interject now. Chris Williams, I got to cover um, at college. I was a sports editor in Las Cruces when he was a wide receiver down there, so I got to know him and his family. Great family. He was fun to cover. And then you mentioned Bobby Newcomb. Not that I played much at Alamogordo High, but I was on the football team. And Highland ended my high school football career in the playoffs one year up here in Albuquerque, and it was because with of Bobby Newcomb and Jared Baxter. Who, I'm trying to think who was coaching Highland so back his, then. His junior, been... It was his junior year, Yeah. and uh, those two guys just, just killed us. It was actually a really close game, really good game. I would say those two, if, if I had more time, yeah, you're catching me off guard with that question. If I had yeah. more time, I could probably come up with three or four other names. Those two are the ones that stand out to me the most. Chris more than anybody else. I, uh, you know, I watched Chris at Rio Rancho, and I, I, I thought, and I... I'm not a huge talent evaluator, but you could watch that kid and knew that not only he could play at the next level, yeah. but the next level beyond that. Yeah. And, you know, he got to score one touchdown in the NFL. Yeah. He returned a kickoff for a touchdown. And, you know, he's done very well for himself in the CFL, and he's bounced around among several teams. But he got to score one NFL touchdown, and I can't tell you how satisfied I was seeing him do that. Just even if he only got that one score, yeah. he got that little taste for one day, and I just thought... I always knew that he could do that. I'm sorry he didn't stick longer than he did because yeah. I always felt he could be a great kick returner in the he's making NFL. a heck of a run up in CFL right now though. But he he's carved out a nice career for himself. Yeah. He's a good kid. I a kid. You know, yeah. now I, I run into him about once a year over the holidays and he's got a full beard and he's yeah. got a couple of kids and uh you know, and I, I have undying admiration for Chris. Awesome. All right, well high school football's getting going now. I appreciate the time on the podcast. Um where people can find you this year, obviously the print edition is where we still need people to go. So pick up the journal. There's a ton of copy um, every day of the week, really. But Saturdays, um, ton of high school football copy. And Sundays, too. Uh, you know, I have a weekly high school football column that runs every, comes Sunday. every Sunday. Yeah. You know, I run down some of the top games for the following week. We're covering that day's games. And, and plus, I'm covering other sports as well. It's not just football. Right, right. You know, and you're right. People do need to read the journal. I mean, we still have the best content of any media sure. organization. Um, 
and and whether you get the journal in print or online, yep. you know, I, we still have the best information. We still have the best reporters, and we still produce the best content of any media organization, print Agreed. or radio, television. I, I, me, I don't think there's anybody that holds a candle to us in terms of the experience we bring and the quality of our presentation. And that online, pre- the online product is abqjournal.com. You can go right to sports by typing in a slash sports at the end. But abqjournal.com. Where can they find you on Twitter? At James D. Yotis. At James D. Yotis on Twitter. It turns um, out there's another James Yotis. I tried to get on there, and I figured I would have, have no problem. And it turns out there was already one, and I was kind of upset by that. <laughs> so I had to insert my middle initial in there uh, to separate myself. I was really bummed. I felt like actually tweeting that guy and saying, could you give it up <laughs> so I could have it. Give it up. You're but no I thought, way. how vain would that be? So I thought, no, I'll just throw in my middle initial. And then there's also one other venture you're going to be doing this year, uh, Saturday mornings? Right. Uh, starting this coming Saturday, day after tomorrow, as we're recording this. Uh, I'm going to be co-hosting uh, the team, 101.7, the team. Uh, they have a high school radio show that runs Saturday mornings from 10 to 11 a.m. Uh, Gary Heron from the Rio Rancho Reserver has been doing this by himself for a few years. Joe O'Neill, who I went to high school with at Cibola, he knew he's known me for years, and he called me a few weeks ago and said, would you be interested in co-hosting? And I said, sure. So I got the approval from our bosses here, and so Saturday is going to be our first show together in just studio. Adding more work for you during the football season, which I don't. It's mostly I just. Your I don't mind. It, it's not. It's really not that. I mean, it's only an hour a week. It's mostly having to get up early on Saturday after working till twelve thirty one a.m. on Friday night slash Saturday morning, and then having to be up by nine. I got to be at the studio by about nine forty five to get everything going. So the good news is it'll help me get my workday done sooner on Saturday. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I hope. Yeah, but it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Ken Sickinger and I used to co-host one on 610 from time to time when John Salazar, okay. who used to be a KOAT sports yeah. anchor, he used to host a sports show, a high school sports show on 610. And sometimes when John had something personal or professional that prevented him from hosting, he asked Ken and I to do it. So Ken and I probably filled in for him at least half a dozen times okay. over the years. So I, I've done this before a little bit, never with Gary. So uh, we'll see. We had a meeting the other day up there at the studios, and I think we're ready to go. I hope people will listen. And last thing that I didn't mention, every Thursday, you and Ken are doing picks still. Every Thursday, Ken Sickinger and I will pick. I, I choose the games. I'll choose about you know 12 to 15 games. From Most of them key games around the metro area. Some of them, several of them from outside the metro area. Like this week, we had Carlsbad and Artesia on the list. Clovis and Hobbs, good rivalry games. You know, occasionally we'll put in a game like that. Most of them will involve the metro area. So Ken and I will do that. And Ken and I are now doing a video presentation, uh, which will be part of our picks every every Thursday, Thursday, which is something we did years ago, and then we got away from it. Mm -hmm. So we're going to try and pick that up again. Actually, people can find that. I tweeted that out today. People can find that on today's webpage. Uh, Ken and I sitting down for a few minutes talking about high school football. We're going to do that once a week. We'll talk games. We'll talk whatever. We'll talk whatever. You guys got steak dinner writing on it, I'm assuming? Uh, Usually it's Rudy's. Rudy's, That's our standing bet is Rudy's. Rudy's. And I've collected the last two years. Uh Uh-oh. From Ken, so I'm going to try and keep the winning streak. It's not fair. I mean, Ken's not covering high school sports on a full-time basis, yeah. so I, I, part of me feels guilty maybe collecting a lunch. But a game, of, maybe not yeah, a game a week. But I don't know. No, I can't do that. Not a game. He, know, he knows enough about the high schools. He can keep up. I mean, I'm not winning. I'm not blowing him out. Yeah. You know, if I was doing that, if I was winning by 20 games a year, yes, but it's still it's still close enough that we're going into the last week or two and still up, up in the air. So yeah, so Rudy's to the regular season winner, not the playoff winner, yeah. just regular season. Awesome. James, I appreciate it. Thank you for being on. And Jeffrey, uh, we'll thanks. have to catch up again. Yeah, anytime. Appreciate thanks. it. Man. There you go. There you have it. There's the 13th episode of the Talking Grammar podcast. And that was James Yotis, the longtime high school sports editor at the Albuquerque Journal. And hope you enjoyed some of that. Even if you're not into the high school sports scene, high school football scene in particular in New Mexico, I, I hope you enjoyed listening 
to to sort of how he approaches his job. And and I got to tell you, once again, I, I won't belabor it. I'll just say it one more time and let it go. But there, there's no tougher job, really, than, than getting high school sports right at a newspaper because it is an often thankless job. And um, it's as powerful a job, though, that a newspaper has. When you talk about local community journalism and, and getting local people's names in the paper and, and the, you're not uh, covering your community any more on any other beat than, than you are with high school sports. So I always appreciate and uh, always respect when there's somebody that does the high school sports beat as well as James Yotis does. So hope you guys enjoyed it. You can leave messages at the bottom of the stories. And when we post the links on abqjournal.com, you can reach me on social media at any time at Jeff Grammer on Twitter is, is where I pretty much have Twitter on, on my laptop um, in the background of whatever I'm working on pretty much all day. So let me know what you think. Give me some feedback. Uh, next episode will be Jerome Robinson, assistant coach of the Lobo basketball team. I, I think you'll enjoy that one. It'll probably post early next week now. I recorded it last week, but had some other stuff to get through this week on some podcasts. But I, I think you'll really enjoy the uh, the Lobo basketball assistant coach, Jerome Robinson, next week. So there you go. abqjournal.com slash sports. Follow James Yotis all season long with all his coverage of high school football. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Till next time.